We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Yesterday, Cliff Sora shared a top 10 list of hot fusion restaurants, a vegan gluten-free mashup recipe, and a podcast featuring organic food trends. Oh, TMI, I, too much internet information. That's oversharing. Cliff, Geico has something worth sharing with your friends. Like how on geico.com you could save hundreds on your car insurance, update your policy, and report a claim. Gluten-free info that's easy to swallow. Mm. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code Rotowire when you deposit for a free contest entry today. It is Tuesday, September 29th. Week three of the NFL season has just concluded. I'm Jake Letarski here today with Eric Katuri. If you're out there on Twitter, you can find Eric at etcat30. You can find myself at jakeski52. Eric, rough week for me in season long. Did pretty well in daily, but ended up going one and four with four losses by about a combined thirty points. So a lot of tight games. I hope you fared better, Eric. Is that the case? Um, I didn't have any hard luck losses. The two losses I did have in the four leagues were pretty definite and pr- mm-hmm. pretty much beat downs. But the other two were uh, also beat downs. So uh, those are the teams that are actually you know f- 
faring the best so far. Mm-hmm. Like the the ones that I can actually make some cash. So many huge fantasy performances right. this week, uh, top to bottom. I mean, guys like AJ Green, Keenan Allen, Julio Jones, I, the big names you'd expect, and and some guys, veterans resurging like Larry, Larry Fitz. And mm-hmm. not to get too much into what Nick and Derek did last week, but. Uh, Big-time scores in a lot of leagues. I saw 190 points set in a single-season lineup. Even though that's PPR, that's quite a bit. And, yeah. of course, daily, just huge. Yeah, I saw a few uh, teams in my leagues that went over 200 mm-hmm. this week. And I believe – I didn't see the DraftKings Millionaire Maker, but I believe it was flirting with 300 this week. It, it was that ridiculous. Yeah, the uh, best score you could put together in, well, a different uh, daily format was 286. So, yeah, it got really close. Yeah, real close. So right up, right there. Uh, quick outline of what we're going to talk about today. We're going to start with a Monday night football recap. Uh, just basically recap the Packers beat down of the Chiefs at Lambeau Field. Then, as is typical on Tuesdays, we'll get into some waiver wire and fab analysis. Very important to get those uh, waiver bids in or requests or claims or however your league does it. In before Tuesday, a lot of leagues have Tuesday night deadlines, which is once again why we're doing this today uh one last reminder here this podcast is now available for subscription on itunes and stitcher so please leave us a nice review if you happen to be listening on those platforms so eric we're going to start off with the monday night football recap here the final score packers 38 chiefs 28 but that score was a whole lot closer than what this game actually was correct eric yeah the uh packers jumped out to a what was a halftime score um it was twenty four to seven at halftime. Yeah, that's that's what I was uh, thinking in my mind too. Mm-hmm. So um, I think we we more so just tried. Uh, sorry, I should say the Packers, not we. I, I'm not part of the team, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. uh, we just tried to uh, drain clock, and they weren't incredibly successful at it. And Casey kind of dominated the time of possession in the second half and made a little little run at the end there. But you know, it wasn't a ten point game if you actually mm-hmm. watch the whole thing. Yeah, when it was all said and done, Casey, I mean, the Packers actually did a little bit better of a job running the ball, a lot more attempts, 32 carries for 123 yards as a team. We'll get into some specifics there in a bit, whereas the Chiefs, 18 carries for 75 yards as a team, but Chiefs managed three rushing touchdowns while the Packers did not get any. Let's start with the big story of the day, though, biggest line of the night, Uh, Aaron Rodgers, 24-35, 333 yards. Five touchdowns. He hit Randall Cobb on the same play twice on the right and once on the left. Essentially the same play, maybe yeah. formation shifted a little bit. Uh, here's your man. I mean, you got to target Aaron Rodgers in daily almost when he faces better competition as opposed to worse competition because he the Packers will be more likely to continue to pound the ball and get that many scores. I mean, at least that personally was my strategy this week, and I ended yeah. up with Rodgers in a lot of places, and he was real close to the number one quarterback. I think him and Dalton were neck and neck. Right, indeed. Yeah, so uh, you mentioned Cobb there, and he had three touchdowns on the night, but his longest touchdown was actually only four yards out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why his uh, you know line for the night was only contained to seven receptions on ninety for ninety one yards. Mm-hmm. Cobb so, leading the whole team in targets as yeah, well with twelve. Exactly, yeah. but uh, I was actually uh, surprised in the end by James Jones' uh, eventual line: seven receptions for one hundred thirty nine yards and a score two on eight targets. Mm-hmm. So everything he throwing his way, he was hauling in. Yeah, James Jones benefiting a lot from the free play. Aaron yeah. Rodgers like to use a hard snap count. He basically got one touchdown on a free play when not only did the defensive end that shot offside stop rushing the 
defender, uh, the defensive back, also fell down. And then there was a real nice back shoulder play that James Jones caught kind of behind him a little bit, then then caught up field and finished the night with seven catches on eight targets. So very efficient, 139 yards leading the team. And then, of course, he had a touchdown of his own with his longest play being 52 yards. So James Jones and Randall Cobb looking to be perfect. They they held down the job perfectly well, despite Mm -hmm. the fact that Devonta Adams had to leave after the very first play of the Oh, very first series, excuse me, with an yeah. ankle injury. So that, so uh, we learned uh, Tuesday that uh, Devontae has a high ankle sprain, and usually those injuries are so, uh, accompanied by a few week absence. So you can expect uh, with him out of the lineup to for Jones to actually be used in a similar manner in coming weeks. And you also like Ty Montgomery. You know, he only was targeted twice, caught both of them for fourteen yards. But maybe mm-hmm. uh, as they uh, actually use him a little more with the first team offense in practice this week, he'll actually you know factor into the offense a bit more. Yeah, hitting on the main themes from today uh, with the waiver wire later on, and of course we've already talked about James Jones and Ty Montgomery a little bit. James Jones, his availability should probably be dried up by now. But yeah. even if you're in an eight man league at this point, I think James Jones needs a roster spot. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, little Most question about that. Uh, sticking on the Green Bay side though, talk about the running game a little bit because Eddie Lacy dealing with an ankle injury of himself uh, or of his own I guess and uh, Eddie Lacy 10 carries for 46 yards did not find the end zone he added three catches for 41 yards on all three of his targets so uh yeah Lacy spent a little time on the sideline too during this game so mm-hmm. it, it, it's not unexpected for James Starks who you'll talk about in a second to actually get most of the carries here 17 for 32 yards yep especially when they were trying to ice the game in the fourth quarter when they had three four score leads at times yeah why throw Lacey out there to unnecessary punishment just the way he runs exactly you don't want that aggravation Mm -hmm. Lacey has I mean Packers fans and football fans know this he's got one gear and that is to go hard and bowl people over and uh, there's no telling him to slow that down or play conservative and occasionally just not an option yeah yeah, and occasionally try to leap over guys yeah that'll happen once in a while too but uh (laughs) anyway let's talk about the running back on the other side of the football that was really the biggest story one of the biggest stories offensively for the Chiefs Jamal Charles uh pretty decent day running the ball 11 carries for 49 yards but the big the big thing for fantasy owners here is uh, three touchdowns. Yeah, so they were they were behind you know the entire game and down big for most of the game too. Mm-hmm. So Alex Smith was forced to throw forty times in this game, and they're not very the KC Chiefs at least aren't very successful, and he has to actually throw that much. But mm-hmm. uh, it was on the backs of Alex Smith Alex Smith's arm that they actually you know got within position mm-hmm. for uh, you know Charles to punch those in. And yep. Charles took advantage, like he got all all the touches pretty much, mm-hmm. like within inside the ten yard line. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, going to Charles first when they're in the red zone, especially when they're in the five six yard line range, had no problem punching it in. Charles through the air also caught five of his seven targets for thirty three yards as well. So worth noting. Um, otherwise, really worth noting is the the streak of the Chiefs of no receivers scoring a touchdown has finally ended, and that ended with a Jeremy Macklin score. Now Macklin after catching zero passes on three targets in the first half, finished the game with eight receptions for 141 yards and a touchdown. And yeah, you can argue that some of that's garbage time, but I mean, are you ready and to also, be starting Macklin moving forward? Or do I, I mean, that this is enough to prove it, right? He looked pretty good. Yeah, just the association with Andy Reid, you know, like he, he knows how to game plan for him, how to like, or build a game plan for his talents. Yep. So, um, yeah, th- this isn't. This is this portends, you know, good things going forward. Definitely, um, the Packers were playing, 
you know, a lot of prevent defense, you know, keep everything in front of them and mm-hmm. it didn't do an excellent job of it. Yeah. On Macklin's longest catch, it was, he was wide open over the middle when Capers yes. ran a heavy blitz and it was basically with the prevent behind it. So, so a lot of those catches were inflating the numbers a little bit, Yeah, but at least it's evident that in these types of situations, Macklin is the go-to guy because he had more targets than Travis Kelsey, 11 to 10. Kelsey finished the line with six uh, catches for 80 yards, uh, long of 38 there, did not find the end zone. It's a pretty average game for Kelsey. A lot of people probably hoping for quite a bit more, especially considering that they were behind, but just kind of an idea of how those carried out a yeah, little bit. Yeah, so before um, before uh, Monday night's game, Alex Smith had attempted 33 passes and 25 passes against the Texans and uh, Broncos. So you can uh, expect him to scale it back a little bit, and that will in turn, like, you know, reduce Macklin and Kelsey's targets, but they should still like get between five to 10 targets, you know, on, on a weekly basis. Yeah. I mean, I see the chiefs as a team who's going to be able to control the clock in most games they're in and you're not going to see them shoot so far behind, uh, like they did against the Packers on Monday night in a very tough test. So better things to come from the chiefs, but encouraging if you're a fantasy owner of many of those players. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Well, let's, uh, shift on over to the waiver wire portion of this podcast starting with quarterbacks as usual uh, a couple quick notes got to run through this every week all percentages that eric and i discussed today will represent percent owned and those are taken either late monday night or early tuesday morning so we're trying to get those as recent as possible for you and when we do give fab recommendations they're with a 12 team standard scoring hundred dollar budget in mind so just uh, some perspective of course if you have a 50 dollar budget cut that bid in half if you have a 200 dollar budget go ahead and double our recommended bid And before we get into it, one last note, week four buys, Tennessee and New England are both going to be on buys. So if you're a Brady Gronk Edelman owner, maybe start listening and focusing at some of those positions if you do need a backup. Yeah, indeed. And yeah, you'll have to fill in, of course, for uh, those, you know, huge scores on your team. Yeah, absolutely. And it'll be tough to replace a guy like Gronk, but we'll do the best. But let's start with quarterback. Uh, we don't want to rehash too many old uh, players that we've done before. So some past considerations uh, that we've kind of discussed are Tyrod Taylor and Marcus Mariota. We've already kind of talked about Luke McCown, Brandon Whedon, Ryan Mallett, jo- uh, Josh McCown now too. Two McCowns starting in the National Football yep. League week four. Uh, we kind of went over those backups for the two quarterback formats. Uh, not too much is going to change there, but someone who has recently turned things on a little bit lately and has quite a bit of availability is Derek Carr of the Raiders. Now he's owned in 26% of Yahoo formats and only 20% of ESPN formats. So there's about an 80% chance that if you look at your waiver wire and need a backup for Brady this week, Derek Carr is going to be available. He had a pretty solid game on Sunday, hooking up with Amari Cooper with quite frequency and finished with a line of 20 for 32 for 314 yards, two touchdowns Sunday at Cleveland. Now, in keeper formats, in all formats, like where are you taking a look at Derek Carr here? Well, so this percentage like is very encouraging to me if I had quarterback issues because I would mm-hmm. go out and scoop them up immediately. Yep. And um, a guy in the same class, Teddy Bridgewater, last year is actually owned in 64% of Yahoo leagues and 47% of ESPN leagues for the long run, like the entire season. Mm-hmm. I, I prefer Derek Carr's last place schedule 
against any any uh, you know, anybody that Bridgewater's going to face, even though he will face the Bears and Lions twice a season. Mm-hmm. Well, he's already faced the Lions once. But I, I if I'm Bridgewater owner or if I had him, mm-hmm. I would be immediately running to the waiver wire and picking up Carr. Yeah, that's an excellent example. And there's even a couple places. I, I know I was very heavy on Sam Bradford this year, and I'm not ready to give up on him yet. But I am starting to think of some contingency plans, and I think Derek Carr is perfectly viable. And I really like the Carr-Bridgewater comparison because another thing that's going in Carr's favor in this case is, yeah, he's got Latavius Murray, uh, but he's Murray's not the focal point of that offense. As opposed to Minnesota, Adrian Peterson is the absolute focal point of that offense. It's going to be Adrian Peterson first, Teddy Two Gloves second, yes. or whoever else next. So uh, something to think about there. It's surprising. I think those availability numbers balance out over the next uh, couple weeks there. Yeah. So, yeah, when it comes to Carr, he only had 61 yards in the opener due to a uh, bruised thumb. He, remember, he mm-hmm. left that game in the first half, and uh, that really uh, scaled back his uh, production on the season. So he's only ranked 15th in terms of, in terms of passing at the moment. Mm-hmm. But he's actually coming off two back-to-back 300-yard games. Yep. And if you have those bonuses in some of your leagues, like that might have put you over the top both weeks. And he's really like developing a nice connection, too, with Amari Cooper. Cooper... Yes. Uh, man like that guy is just incredible mm-hmm. yeah I was nervous about Cooper coming in but it's become apparent very recently that I had very little reason to be could have should have been trust in the raw talent there and also having more faith in the car improvement from year one to year two yeah so like going a little in depth into like advanced stats uh there's this stat on football outsiders called defense adjusted yards but above replacement and he's actually ranked seventh in that right now behind Tom Brady Carson Palmer Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, and Andy Dalton, like the top tier of NFL quarterbacks, whether it's fantasy or reality. So he's already within the first three games of the season, you know, showing like what he could potentially do the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. So he's basically showing himself that he has QB1 potential, especially in those 12 and 14 team leagues where he needs to be scooped up right away. So going out there, taking a look. Uh, as far as a, a a fab bid, if you just need a backup or a one-week replacement, I'd say throw 12 to 15 out there. But if you're starting to think of him as someone that you might want to start frequently the rest of the way out, do you up that bid a few dollars? Yeah, I'd say maybe not to the 20 range, but maybe 16 to 18, something yeah. like that. 18 is probably the max I would go yeah. if, if you, I really needed him. If you do 17 or 18, you'll just squeak by the people that think they're okay with a $15 bid. Yeah. Maybe this is just me bidding weird, but <laughs> I, I, I like to do $1 over the $5 increments or, or maybe $2 over just to get super ahead of somebody just to you know kind of slide in and take right. those players yeah that's just me though so yeah anywhere from 12 to 18 dollars i think is a perfectly reasonable uh, amount of money to spend on Derek carr this week let's move on to uh, one more quarterback that we want to discuss and that is mike vick of the pittsburgh steelers he's owned or er, not owned available just about everywhere they're only three percent of yahoo leagues own less than one percent of espn leagues own uh he does uh, have a home matchup against Baltimore. That's a Thursday night game, so a little bit of a short turnaround there. And of course, we all know by now we've seen it all over the place. Big Ben Roethlisberger out four to six weeks with both an MCL sprain and a bone bruise. I'm guessing that they hold him out to the bye week, and there's a chance he comes back after that. I think the bye week's week eight, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. I, I don't have it in front of me right now. I'm just kind of spitballing there. But you're getting a good uh, you're getting a good. I don't know, four or five weeks there out of Vic if you're picking him up today or, you know, tomorrow or any time this week. Are there any concerns, though, Eric? Like, 
he may not, I mean, he's a pretty recent fresh arrival in Pittsburgh. He may not have the full playbook. And then, of course, there's the short week where little statistically has been done to prove this exactly yet, but the inkling among fantasy owners tends to be that Thursday games are a little bit lower scoring. Now, I, for any of those reasons, are you a little bit hesitant on Vic as a short-term solution? Or, I mean, I think he needs to be owned in all two quarterback leagues at this point just because of the rushing touchdowns. But uh, can you start him in a single-season league? The Baltimore defenses look pretty shady this year. Yeah, when I, so when I look around the league, uh, we, we have guys like Luke McCown start, starting, and, they, and, you know, there are a few other examples. But uh, looking at him specifically, oh, Brandon Wien's the other. Like, those mm-hmm. two guys, they have constructed uh, game plans where they just – have dink and dunk, you know, we're not mm-hmm. going to throw anything past 10 yards. And I think we're going to see that with Michael Vick, actually. Mm-hmm. And that probably bodes well most for Le'Veon Bell um, out of the backfield. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we see Antonio Brown actually, well, it doesn't really matter what route he runs. Like, he's he's going to be pretty excellent on a week-to-week basis. But I don't think they're going to take any deep shots. So that is, that's yep. really going to contain his passing yardage. On the other hand, we've, we have seen – like some ability with him still like he still has a little bit of that mobility even at 34 or 35 now is that yeah. how old he is yeah, getting up there so sure. but he can still uh he can still run a bit and so that might augment his uh you know final line a little bit but yeah i think i think with a short week they're going to simplify the game plan yeah and even with the fact that you know baltimore's defense is shady with terrell Suggs out for the season mm-hmm. i i don't i don't see like a, an incredible performance it's mostly going to be uh you know Le'Veon bell carrying that that offense mm-hmm. yeah i can see a very modest performance maybe 180 yards two touchdowns 25 or something on the ground vic is uh 35 he his first nfl season is in 2001 to give you a little bit of perspective just the turn of the century there yep. so i'm a little bit nervous to pick him up and use him uh because of the short week but but like you said i think you make an excellent point there that they'll build an offense that is, works best with his strong suit and 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 especially with the short if they if they had actually a week to prepare for this um for the ravens you know mm-hmm. they might actually open up a little of their they might go to the back pages but they're going to stick to within the first you know 25 percent of that playbook and just keep it simple for him yeah I, yeah i agree with you there so maybe take a look at vic this week like i said owned in two quarterback formats for sure and you know we talk about the short week for the steelers maybe a little bit of a short week for the ravens having to change their game plan and how they prepare for mick or vic as opposed to a guy like roethlisberger for sure yeah all right well let's head on over to the running back position here after finishing up those quarterbacks before we dive into this week's pickups just want to run by the pass considerations which are obviously the ones to target first and of course Devonte freeman if he's still around for whatever reason after his three touchdown game he needs to be owned everywhere uh chris johnson david johnson we've mentioned in the past their utility may soon be fading depending on andre ellington matt jones of the washington redskins i think he'll still be all right I'd, I'd take a look at him before um, a lot of these guys and of course Ronnie Hillman of the Broncos just some some of the bigger names we've mentioned that are still probably worth owning in a lot of places but we're going to head to Seattle to look at these running backs first and I'm talking a, a Thomas Rawls or a Fred Jackson combination now Rawls had the better game uh, in week three 16 carries for 104 yards and his ownership is much lower than Fred Jackson, who Fred Jackson is owning 12% of Yahoo and 21% of ESPN leagues, whereas Rawls is, oh, you can almost say universally, universally available. He's only owning 4% of Yahoo and less than half a percent of ESPN leagues. Uh, if you're making a decision here, if you're a Marshawn Lynch owner, how are you evaluating these two options and how much are you willing to go, I guess, with a bid? Okay, so 
they play on Monday night against Detroit, correct? So mm-hmm. they're not even going to release an injury report till Thursday. We're not going to know anything about that situation until potentially that actually the Thursday night game starting. So you might not even be able to, like, if you're in a you know ten team league, you're not going to be able to make that decision perhaps before like um, the Steelers and Ravens kick off on Thursday. But uh, anyway, when it comes to um, back to Lynch, uh, they're. Um, one of their beat writers, I think it's Liz Matthews of 710 ESPN Seattle, mm-hmm. um, mentioned that it's likely going to be Friday at the earliest before they actually mention something about Lynch's availability for Monday night's game. Yeah, and Lynch gets uh, – you do the injury reports more than I do, Eric, but does he get uh, typically just get rested traditionally early on in the week in practice? Is that not uncommon for him? Yeah, he – like so, uh, yeah, he usually misses uh, the, f- the first practice of the week just to, you know – Cut down on the wear and tear. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, week one, he was limited. In the last two weeks, he was actually uh, out because of an injury. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that injury actually propped up in uh, Sunday's game against the Bears. Yeah, started the <clears> game, <throat> was active, only carried the ball a few times, and ended up sitting the rest of the way. So, yeah, like, what, it, he wasn't actually seen on the field during pregame warm-ups. He wasn't on the sideline till the third drive of the game. Mm-hmm. that's when he actually came onto the field they were you know working on his ankle or sorry his uh what is his injury hamstring it's a hamstring injury yes. but before i mean in the injury report leading up to this week it was kind of being referred to as a calf and i even saw on the telecast a back thing maybe that was inaccurate but he seems to be banged up in a variety of places just a little bit yeah so friday at the earliest is probably you know somewhat correct like i i kind of i trust their beat writers to be uh you know on the ball about that but uh when it comes to the respective lines between thomas rawls and fred jackson on <clears throat> on uh or in week three here thomas rawls was getting all the carries down the stretch i think that like i think his uh production 16 carries for 104 yards mm-hmm. was actually more of a result of the game being a blowout him just uh, they don't want to like risk any injury to the you know proposed uh, or the guy who would take over Fred Jackson if you know Lynch misses time. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really convinced that Rawls is actually going to have a huge role if Lynch does miss this game. Mm-hmm. I think Fred Jackson is going to be the main running back, and Rawls would be kind of a change of pace guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but Fred Jackson at 34 is the oldest, the oldest, the oldest, the oldest running guy, I believe. Yes. Uh, still probably has some quickness quickness left in him, and he's going to be owned more widely and probably picked up more widely um, because of the name recognition. Everybody remembers yeah. his days at Buffalo mixing with guys like C.J. Spiller and whatnot. But, yeah. So he's going to be owned in a few more places there. But if you have Marshawn Lynch on your roster and you don't really have a viable backup, you have to go out and spend – I don't know, three to six dollars on one of these guys today, right? Just to make sure that you have an option. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, I would probably put slightly more on Jackson. I feel a little more comfortable that he'll get more touches if Lynch misses the game. But Rawls is actually going to be involved because I, I'm I'm sure you know Pete Carroll is pretty happy. Or Pete Carroll, head coach Pete Carroll, and you know offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel are actually pretty impressed with mm-hmm. what Rawls has actually shown this game and. Like, why not feed him the rock if, you know, Lynch is out of commission? Yeah, and I, I don't own Marshawn Lynch uh, in, a, in a whole lot of places, but in, in those that I do, I'm going to go ahead and bid probably three to five on Jackson, one to two on Rawls, and I'll, I'll make the drop uh, the same player. I won't need to drop two players and get both of them. So, uh, yeah. So so their opponent actually uh, is Detroit on Monday night, and Detroit ranks in the bottom half of the league in terms of uh, – 
rush defense, and at the very bottom in terms of pass pass defense. So uh, that fact um, lends also lends me toward you know Jackson a, li- a little more than it does Rawls because uh, you know Jackson is has always been a great pass catching back, and Rawls had zero catches on one target. Yeah, through the first three weeks of the season, Detroit has allowed as many rushing yards per game on the ground as the Cleveland Browns, if that gives you any perspective there. So yeah. this can maybe something to watch there. So moving past Seattle, though, there's another running back in Buffalo who could be a difference maker down the stretch here. Uh, Carlos Williams, who is owned in 28% of Yahoo and 24% of ESPN leagues. And Eric, you actually tipped me off this afternoon to... Uh, uh, a little bit of LaShawn McCoy news. You can find that on our website. Do you want to sum that up for us? Yeah, so LaShawn McCoy is – what's he been – what's his injury again? I, I I believe it's a hamstring issue. Yeah, exactly. So he's been dealing with this uh, since the preseason and, you know, followed him into the season actually. And this has allowed Carlos Williams to actually, you know, get a lot of run. Uh, I, okay, I shouldn't say a lot of run. He's been getting modest run mm-hmm. the first three weeks of the season, but he's actually the only running back in the league. This is a, this is a, you know, fact that not maybe everybody knows, but he's the only running back in the league to actually score t- a rushing touchdown in each of the first three games so far. Oh well. So that that just tells you that he does have a nose for the end zone. If he does get the start, which he should, if McCoy is sitting out mm-hmm. as expected, you know, there's a good chance that happens again. Yeah, and of course, 12 rushes for 110 yards last week against Miami. They were ahead most of that game trying to seal it up there. Uh, you know, you think of Miami as a formidable run defense, but, you know, maybe, excuse me, Ndamukong Sue. Oh, that was hard to say. Uh, it is maybe, hard. Yeah, maybe he's not uh, quite adjusting to the system in the way they attended just yet, so they were able to run the ball uh, quite a bit better on Miami. I know that Miami is one of the more frequently dropped defenses in the league. I, I wouldn't worry too much about that yet, but... Uh, maybe something to consider when we get to the defenses later on but but yeah LaShawn McCoy I mean that hamstring thing you mentioned it happened during training camp and uh, that NFL Network report is a little bit worrisome and at the very I mean if you're a shady McCoy owner you go out and grab Williams you make sure you have him already just to be safe but even if you're not I'm going after him to just bolster my running back depth because you know who knows maybe the hamstring injury lingers carries on but the real good news here is that the Bills have the Giants in week four and we mentioned Detroit being a pretty weak run defense the Giants are the second worst run defense in the league uh, or I'm sorry total defense in the league okay I guess before when I was talking I was looking at total yards per game not just rushing yards per game Mm -hmm. um but uh yeah so the Giants doing a little bit better against the run but giving up a lot of total yards and I just I think it's an excellent matchup and whoever starts is going to have a pretty solid fantasy game but so yeah so when it comes to uh standard formats uh this this season Carlos Williams is actually in a tie for 10th with Chris Johnson uh at 10.3 points per game so far Mm -hmm. um and that's only on 26 touches 24 rushes two catches so he's really taking full advantage of all his touches and you know a lot of it is on the back of uh, scoring a touchdown in each game of course but if that workload mm-hmm. like that he could easily get 24 carries in this game if they attempt to control the clock and you know keep Eli Manning and company off the field yeah and I, I just want to make a quick correction from what I for what I said in the previous Giants defense towards the bottom of the league in total yards allowed per game but actually second to only the Bills in rushing yards per game I don't think of them as having an especially formidable run defense probably which led me to believe that before well but, um I mean when it comes to the Giants D their secondary is so hammered by injuries that everybody's just throwing against them and not really focusing on the running game mm-hmm. but uh 
I think it's a decent strategy for Rex Ryan to follow in this game. You know, keep the keep Eli Manning, keep Odell Beckham off the field. Let's just yeah. run like, like let's control the clock in this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're gonna want to keep the Giants' biggest playmakers off the field, and there's no better way to really do that than running the football there. So uh, I think we'll see uh, maybe a little bit more of a run focus here, making Carlos Williams probably one of the top waiver wire pickups. Uh, as far as running backs go this week, someone that you could probably start as an RB2, of course, very dependent on Shady. Um, so looking at about, uh, I don't know, I wrote down $10, $15, thinking maybe that's a little bit too much for a one-week rental. Like, Do you think his longevity could help him earn a price like that? Uh, sorry, what what price did you put down again? I have about ten fifteen dollars you know, I 10 think, to 15% of your budget. I think that's a decent amount too, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well... Keep this in mind. I just realized this. On his 24 carries, he's averaging 7.75 yards per rush. Okay, big time. <laughs> yeah, so it's so, very hard to argue with those numbers. Yeah, you, I, I might actually bump that up a little more. Like if, mm-hmm. if you're like me and follow a zero running back policy, you try to scrounge these guys up throughout the season. Mm-hmm. Like This is a guy I'm going out and maybe spending... I don't know, over 20 actually on him. Yeah, trying to yeah, get him. You, you could even get, yeah, 20 to $25 range here. Uh, try to try to take Shady's owner out of contention there because yeah. you'll probably have to bid up a little bit for it and get yourself an RB2 that we'll see how it goes the rest of the year. There'll yeah. be a couple more useful I mean, starts from him. Wouldn't it be smart for the Bills if they have like a, run, a running back who can actually spell um, LaShawn McCoy and actually, you know, keep the ground game, you know, churning along? Why not like, let him dominate the rushing load for now. McCoy, you sit out a few weeks until you get healthy, and then you know the second half of the season you can run all over the league. Yeah, I. I, I mean, I don't know what they're if they're going to follow anything like that, but mm-hmm. that would be something I would think yeah. about as an organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bill's a team with playoff aspirations this year, and I think that's one of the strategies that uh, that they'll have to use to keep their guys fresh for when sure. that time comes. Yeah, well, let's sit on a few more running backs here. Uh, this one is more of a speculative play here, but Lorenzo Taliaferro, the Baltimore Ravens, and only owned in six percent of Yahoo, twenty five percent of ESPN. I think that jumped up a lot. He also has a short week, and the, but. The reason I say this is a speculative ad is because Justin Forsett just hasn't been getting it done so far. 165 total yards and no touchdowns, period, through his first three weeks of yeah, the year. Now, Talia Farrell, only three carries, didn't actually accumulate any yards. He was injured early on, so still starting to get work back in. Uh, I mean, Talia Farrell could potentially get the goal line carries. I don't know. Do you think uh Tressman and and that Ravens offense maybe starts to shift from Forsett if he doesn't turn thing, things around making Talia Farrow a valuable pickup or do we keep him as a bottom barrel pickup in deep leagues for now until he actually gets a role yeah he's more of a speculative I think they're going to try to after making an investment in Forsett to get him going until he proves that he can actually you know be productive at this point and he mm-hmm. we we didn't mention throughout the preseason that Forsett is I believe 29 years old at this point yep. so he is uh you know getting to that age where running backs fall off a cliff mm-hmm. and, and also the Ravens team performance isn't helping his case they're getting yeah. behind in a lot of games and having to shy away from the run a little exactly. bit exactly yeah that doesn't help a lot I mean at least against the Bengals you know, they were in the game, but it became a shootout, you know, in the fourth quarter. They were just passing every single play, mm-hmm. you know, whether it was Cincy or uh, Baltimore on the field. Yep. Uh, one more backup that we might want to look at here is Vallejo Powell of the Jets. Now, 16% of Yahoo, 24% ESPN. He's owned pretty widely. Chris Ivory, 
was inactive Sunday, or I'm sorry, he was active Sunday against the Eagles, but did not play a single snap. On the other hand, Powell, 10 carries, 31 yards uh, versus Philadelphia. No catches wasn't really a factor in the passing game. Now, can we attribute that poor performance? Well, not, yeah, pretty poor performance, I guess you could say, to the Jets actually falling behind to the Eagles most in this game? I mean, Blair Powell is nothing more than a $1 to $2 pickup, especially if Chris Ivory expects to be fine moving forward, right? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, most definitely the case. They mm-hmm. they were down twenty four seven at half. They had to, you know, focus on the passing game. You know, Brandon Marshall ended up having a, you know, another hundred yard outing, uh, yeah, another touchdown, um, and pa- Powell doesn't really. F- oh, oh, sorry, I'm wrong. I, I went past his name. He had seven receptions for forty four yards in this game. Oh, did he? So did he, I go past his name too? Yeah. Oh boy, I must have done that. So oh, I he apologize. he's. He's still like uh, a consideration in the passing game, of course, with that many. Uh, he had eight targets, too. So, Oh, wow, right there. Yeah, eight targets. You're we right. both missed it. <laughs> not, not just you, man. ESPN box score is getting to us. Too. Yeah. So uh, if the Jets do fall behind in games, you can maybe expect Powell to be factor a factor in the mm-hmm. in, as a receiver if Ivory continues to miss time. Yeah, and he could and even that's see a bit, some big if. Yeah. He could even see some third down work maybe perhaps when uh, when Ivory is fully ready to return. Another situation where you don't necessarily want to pound one running back constantly the entire yeah. season. Jets 2 and 1, of course, another team with playoff aspirations. Everyone has playoff aspirations at this point in the season, only heading into week 4 here. One last name we want to discuss here in the running back department, uh another player probably worth a couple dollars uh on the waiver wire with very low ownership, only 4% Yahoo, 3% ESPN. That is former Patriot Jonas Gray, who is now a member of uh the Miami Dolphins and I I look at him in a very similar light, actually maybe a little bit more favorable. We mentioned Talia Farrow being a possible ad because of the Justin Forsett underperformance. For the same reason, Jonas Gray is another possible ad due to the underperformances of Lamar Miller, who, I mean, Lamar Miller only carried the ball seven times, 38 yards, added three catches for 27 uh, in Sunday's game, while Jonas Gray was actually much more effective on the ground, carrying the ball nine times and with the increased opportunities, uh, got 49 yards. And now the Dolphins were pretty much behind for most of this game, so the running game wasn't a focus but mm-hmm. uh you know of course third on the depth chart there's Damian Williams just want to throw that out as well but is Jonas Gray an option especially I mean Lamar Miller's had his injury issues in the past I, I can think of a lot worse players to use a bench spot on correct yeah and we've we've always seen not always but a lot of times we've seen that second running back going into this or just a fringe running back in Miami actually come out of nowhere and mm-hmm. you know perform admirably so I mean it could be Jonas Gray this season we saw him have that massive game against the or for the Pats last year a 200 yard game with I believe with three three to four touchdowns I think he scored four he was in the four touchdowns right? lineup yeah someone yeah. somehow picked him that week yeah exactly so you know he showed it in the past Lamar Mill is disappointed maybe they will you know start trying to focus on him see what he can give them yeah and uh just a, a backfield update of or it's not really an update but just Bookkeem JHI, the rookie, is on the IR designated to return, so he won't really be a factor for quite some time in that offense. Yeah, I think that's usually uh, they won't even let you practice with the team until after week six. So you know he's as a rookie, that's it's going to be rough going. It, yeah, it's going to be midseason before he might even make an appearance. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like I said, if you're carrying dead weight on your bench. Uh, well, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably never carrying dead weight on your bench, uh, always active on the <laughs> waiver wire. But uh, yeah. again, a guy like Jonas Gray, even Powell, for a buck or two, it beats 
you know, housing someone like Ajay for the long term or, or some of those other low upside guys that uh, you, it's clear that it's not mm. going to happen anymore at this point. But yep. uh, fantasy football just got a whole lot more interesting. Week four, DraftKings will be hosting another Millionaire Maker event with 1.2 million going to first place. Go to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code ROTOWIRE to play free with your first deposit on DraftKings. That's promo code ROTOWIRE for free entry now with your first deposit at DraftKings.com. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. All right, we're going to touch on wide receivers, and there aren't as many big-name considerations this year, as or not this year, this week, as there has been in previous weeks here. Uh, yeah. Just a refresher on the past. Like we said, James Jones should be owned everywhere. If he's not, go get him. Dante Moncrief had another touchdown this week. Travis Benjamin still getting a lot of looks. And Rashard Matthews from Miami all still playing major roles and should be your top waiver wire targets this week yep. if you're heading there first. But I want to move to a guy like Leonard Hankerson from the Atlanta Falcons and only owned in 12% of Yahoo, 10% of ESPN leagues. I'm not super enthused to be recommending a guy like this, but when you look at the snaps between him and Roddy White, Hankerson's getting that advantage, right, Eric? Um, well, he's getting the production advantage, but we oh yeah, that's, we found right. that Roddy White actually played 65 snaps, which is mm-hmm. a huge percent compared to um, 48 for Hankerson. But it's very unusual to me that Roddy White has gone the last two games playing 122 snaps and only getting targeted one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, maybe it is due to Hankerson actually making plays, three catches mm-hmm. for on six targets for 45 yards in this game, but he had a much better effort in week two. Um, I, I don't know. I think I think it's gonna, the passing game is going to be dominated by Roddy White and, you know, these fringe guys like, you know, Hankerson, White, um, Devontae Freeman now with Tevin Coleman out like those guys are going to be getting sporadic looks more than anything so do you think uh you know what would you bid on him if you're really like if you're in need of wide receiver help right now I maybe five to eight dollars I don't know if I'm in in a league where if you get points for a block that springs the other receiver on a bubble screen Julio Jones yeah, exactly. Of course, that, that doesn't exist, but uh, you know, if that was the case, uh, then, then maybe I'd up that bit a little bit. But uh, Hankerson, uh, yeah, a few bucks. I think uh, he'll see some decent volume there. And who knows, Roddy White could come back and, and maybe take some of that away. Yeah, I, I don't know if he's being phased out or if he's just aging or if he's maybe not 100% healthy right now. No indication to suggest that. But it's just surprising to see those Roddy White numbers. Yeah, I mean, Roddy White is going to be 34 in November, so that's something to keep in mind. Uh, there, not many receivers actually reach this age and are still, you know, somewhat effective. And yep. he was still effective in Week One. He had a, uh, you know, what six catches, something yeah. like that. He had in a pretty one. nice line Week One. Uh, don't have it in front of me there, but uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, that age is a little bit concerning as it is uh, should always be taken into consideration in fantasy football. Uh, another guy who I just looked up and I'm surprised he's only 27 because he seems to have been a fantasy roster killer for seasons now. Yeah. And that's Kenny Britt at the St. Louis Rams. Now, every week, every year he seems to show maybe a flash that thinks we could be back uh, back on, on track there. Uh, and this week he had it uh, against the Steelers there when he was uh, he led the team with 10 targets. Uh, in week three against Pittsburgh, finished with seven catches for 102 yards, uh, only owned in 7% of Yahoo, 5% of ESPN, has a very tough matchup week four against the Cardinals on the road. But 
is this it? I, I feel like we've heard this before, but is is this it for Kenny Britt? Does he have it figured out, or are you backing off on this? I mean, I, I, I don't want anybody that plays for the Rams, um, except if Todd Gurley actually breaks out and establishes himself as a number one back. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like he'll be guaranteed to get 15 to 20 touches per game at that point. But so far this season, we've seen four players on the Rams actually surpass uh, 10 targets. That's Britt himself with 17, Jared Cook with 15, Benny Cunningham with 14, and Tavon Austin with 12. And then right behind them, we actually have Lance Kendricks at 9 and Stedman Bailey at 8. Mm-hmm. So they're really spreading the ball around. They're utilizing all of their skill position players. So I, I think it's really difficult for any of these guys to really, you know, um, you know, break out from the pack. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, Britt yeah, is or, leading the way with targets, yeah. but... Or do consistently on a week-to-week basis. Yeah. That's always tough to fight with offenses that run like this. Uh, so as you mentioned, he had 10 targets in week three, but only seven combined in the first two weeks. Yes. So you're going to you know, hope for that 10-target week, but most of the time you're going to get three to four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so outside of a deep tournament on DraftKings where you need some lineup differentiation, I think you'd have a tough time counting on Britt from week to week. But nonetheless, he's worth mentioning a little bit. Another receiver we decided is worth mentioning was uh, Ted Ginn, or Ted Ginn of the Carolina Panthers. Uh, must have Ginn on my mind. Who knows here? But uh, only owned at 10% Yahoo, 8% ESPN. And uh, he's got a nice matchup heading to Tampa Bay for week four. Now, uh, Ted, Ted Ginn here, four catches on six targets for 93 yards week three. Now, is he getting the role that we kind of expected Corey slash Philly Brown to be getting at oh, the yeah. start of the year? Yeah, most definitely. So Greg Olson is a clear-cut number one like mm-hmm. receiving option. He has 28 targets through three games. But Tegan is actually um, you know, sneaking up behind him here with 22. Um, so it's – and, you know, behind him, it's the uh, uh, rookie Devin Funches that people were hoping, you know, would kind of fill into that Devin – or that Calvin Benjamin role, but – you know, hasn't really done it yet or shown it yet. So, Ginn is, yeah, right there. He's a clear-cut number two receiving option for Cam Newton. And if Cam Newton's uh, completion percentage actually bumps up a little bit, currently it's at 56.6%. Yeah, like uh, we could actually see, you know, Ginn starting to, uh, you know, produce a little more f- from week to week. Yeah, I, I'm right on board with that. And uh, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but he is a factor in the return game as well. Yes. So he could get you some punt return touchdowns. I know not many leagues do return <laughs> yards, but if they do, we always kind of mention that just kind of as a an extra kicker. We know there's listeners out there for that. Yeah, and so Ginn previously had his best overall season with Cam Newton under center in 2013. Uh, he had 36 catches on 68 targets for 556 yards and five touchdowns. And at his current pace with 22 through three games, he's actually on pace for 117 which would uh, easily surpass his career high in 2008 with Miami. So when you get when you're talking about a guy with nearly 120 targets, and you know he's catching a little over half of them, mm, let's see, uh, you can probably expect him to have a maybe 60 catch, 65 catch season, mm-hmm. um, something like 750 yards, something like that, and five to six touchdowns, which is you know. Wide receiver three territory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not the biggest receiver out there on the field at 5'11", 185, but works well enough out of the slaughter, even even in deep ball situations. Yeah. He's, he's quick enough to create separation when he has to. So, yeah, when he was with Arizona last year, like they didn't 
they expected him to come in and take over the number three role, but that ended up going to John Brown. But the few times that they did actually use him in the passing game, mm-hmm. uh, he was that deep threat for them. And, you know, with Benjamin gone, they don't really have that. So I, I think he's still going to continue to act in that role, like be their, you know, primary deep threat if they or when they actually, you know, try to attempt to unleash that. Yeah, and that's something that uh, Cam Newton has sorely missed, of course, with the, without Benjamin around to help him out. Yeah, indeed. Mm-hmm. And uh, one last receiver we want to hit on here is someone who is adversely affected by injuries for most, or actually all of the 2014 season, but now appears to be heading back and maybe even uh, earning his way up to a number two role on the depth chart. And I'm talking about the Cincinnati Bengals here, where it's clear A.J. Green's number one, but... Has Marvin Jones crept up into that number two role here? He had five catches on eight targets for 94 yards and a touchdown on Sunday. Yeah, so this is kind of the result of him actually increasing targets every week. He's gone from three to five to eight, and that's coincided with Tyler Eifert, the tight end there in Cincinnati, decreasing from 12 to five to three over the first three weeks. Mm -hmm. So I think we're seeing kind of a correlation here. If it it continues throughout the season, we know it's definite, but... it it it's it's almost like you should own both of these guys, trot them out there on a weekly basis, and you know hope you know the non uh, AJ Green touchdown goes to those two guys. Yeah, you know. Now on the other hand, if you're playing in a tournament or any kind of contest on DraftKings now, do you want to try to pick one or the other? Does having both greatly limit your upside? I'm talking Jones and Eifert. Um, I think having both is actually a decent like strategy. I mean, okay. if you if you think if you think uh, Cincinnati has a good matchup that week, why not throw it out there? Because it probably doesn't cost that much. Still, I, I from what I recall, because I, I had yeah. Eifert in practically every lineup this oh, past man. weekend. Tell me about it. Uh, he he was still affordable. He was like maybe the sixth sixth uh, most expensive uh, guy tight end on uh, DraftKings at in the mid four thousands. Yeah. So you know that's you, that's generally a pretty decent deal, and mm-hmm. combined with what Marvin Jones was, I don't know what what it was off the top of my head. Probably but it, pretty close to minimum price. Yes, after it only had getting to, eight targets in two weeks. Yeah, indeed, it probably was something like thirty two. So uh, getting those two guys for a combined seven thousand, you can use that money elsewhere on you know elite talent. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, so let's with that we'll move on over to uh, tight ends here. Again, a quick refresher of uh, the past considerations that we've used in the tight end department. Looks like Jordan Reed's still rolling in Washington, so of course go out and find him on the waiver wire first. Uh, you got to wonder if the rest of your league mates are sleeping if he's still available somehow. <laughs> but uh, definitely take a look at that, Eric Ebron. Uh, a lot of people taking a little bit of time to catch up on him. And then in the past, just uh, some other fill-in options, uh, Richard Rodgers, Crockett Gilmore, both having uh, reasonable roles in, in, in their respective yeah, offenses. And, and with Devontae, you know, out for probably a few weeks with a high ankle sprain, you know, mm-hmm. Richard Rodgers might be even bigger part of that offense yeah, it's passing worth, attack. It's worth mentioning Richard Rodgers again. I think the more we see when they go verticals and we see Rodgers like to do that back shoulder fade, they do the Rodgers or Rodgers with that, which happened a little bit against Seattle, not so much uh, this this uh, last game on Monday night. There's potential there for Richard Rodgers. One more thing to note, the number two tight end in Green Bay, Andrew Corliss, actually suffered a knee injury mm-hmm. in Monday night's game too, and there's a potential he sits out. So they might only be down to Richard Rodgers. Um, I would say 
he could reasonably get, you know, 90% of the snaps going forward the next few, or as long as he's out, if he's out for a decent amount of time. Yeah, and I'm not saying expect Jermichael Finley numbers, but I think he'll be at least a top 15 tight end yeah. if you find yourself in a pinch. Yeah, indeed. Right. But the guys we really want to highlight this week uh, that we haven't talked about in the past, uh, one of them is Charles Clay of the Buffalo Bills. Another one, Gary Barnage of the Cleveland Browns. Both had pretty big games this week. I'm going to start with Clay, whose ownership's a little bit higher. That name is quite recognizable from Miami in past seasons. Now, Charles Clay owned in 20% of Yahoo and 14% of ESPN leagues. So there's a pretty decent chance uh, that he'll be available if you do need a tight end. Has a is playing a secondary that has given up a ton of yards as we discussed before. He's uh, got the Giants at home in Week Four, and he's coming off a game in which he caught five balls on seven targets for 82 yards and a touchdown. So, uh, I mean, do you see Charles Clay trending upward? Is he starting to get uh, more and more involved in this Buffalo Bills offense with Tyrod Taylor at quarterback? So, <laughs> it looks like uh, the Bills have kind of a similar situation to the Rams. So. They have five guys with between 18 and 10 targets. Percy Harvin has 18, Charles Clay 17, Robert Woods 10, LaShawn McCoy 10. Well, he'll, he'll likely be out this weekend. And Sammy Watkins with 13. Okay. Maybe that, maybe that um, you know, maybe wiping away LaShawn McCoy's, you know, likely short passing, likely presence in the short passing game will actually benefit Charles Clay because you know, as the tight end in that offense, but they do have a similar situation that and kind of spread the rock around a little bit from week to week. Mm-hmm. And you also have to keep in mind Sammy Watkins, uh, their leading receiver, who has essentially pooped the bed up to this point this <laughs> season. Uh, the guy is dealing with a uh, mild calf strain and considered day-to-day moving forward. So we don't yeah. know um, if he'll play in week four and if he does what capacity he'll be used in. And I think we see that correlation with Clay's increase in targets. I think that's all directly related. Yeah, so in the preseason, if you did follow the Bills, if you follow the Bills, you you would know that their receiving core, like practically all their receivers were missing time Mm -hmm. until about the third preseason game. They were dealing with some type of injury. And it seems like a lot of, or a few of these injuries have actually, you know, crept into the regular season like Sammy Watkins. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's definitely benefited Charles Clay so far. Yeah. I mean, Sammy Watkins, just to touch on him. So seven catches for 99 yards and a touchdown so far this year. That's good if it happens in one game for fantasy, obviously not good spread across over three. Um, so yeah, I don't want to turn this into the Sammy Watkins thing, but essentially <laughs> what this all boils down to, I'm sorry, I'm frustrated. I own It's him. all right. Uh, but, <laughs> I, but what it all boils down to is with McCoy limited, possibly out Watkins limited, possibly out. I think you can make a case that Charles Clay is a top 10 tight end this week, especially considering yeah. the matchup. So Tyrod Taylor is actually throwing seven touchdown passes this year. They're spread around the six players, but Charles Clay is the only guy to score twice. Okay. So keep that in mind. Like He might be one of his favorite red zone options. Yeah, there'll be some peaks and valleys with Clay this year, especially when they get back to full strength. But over these next couple weeks, uh, you can absolutely make a case on 5, 10, Eleven dollar bid to make sure you get them. Can can you get on board with that, or, or I mean, if you if you, yeah, if you're needed a tight end, um, what sorry, what amount did you I, say again? I'm just thinking, you know, I, I give a broad range, somewhere in between five and fifteen, but I'm thinking I bid eleven or twelve on them if I need a tight end. Yeah, I I like the fact that in Tyrod Taylor's you know first three starts here that he's actually increasing his role each game. So you know maybe that trust with uh, you know. Tyrod Taylor will rub off and, you know, or be sustained throughout the season. So, yes, 
10 dollars I think is definitely reasonable and if you want to go one or two ticks more yeah yeah go not ahead a bad idea uh, one last tight end a quick mention here mostly because of the big game he had on Sunday against the Raiders now that's Gary Barnage at the Cleveland Browns uh pretty much available everywhere caught 6 of his 10 targets for 105 yards and a touchdown against Oakland he's heading to San Diego week 2 um it, do you think this was a mirage or are we seeing a bigger tight end here? I just have a tough time getting behind Cleveland's skill positions so, this year. So how many targets did Gary Barnage have prior to this week? I mean, not a whole lot as far as I can remember. I mean, he's distinguished himself as the lead tight end there yeah. over over guys like Jim Dre and Rob Hausler. Neither of those guys really considered pass-catching options, mm-hmm. really more of pass blockers here. And, yeah, uh, the thing is, though, with Barnage against Tennessee the week before, mm-hmm. one target. So the thing is, it's going to be very inconsistent. Uh, I wrote down here, kind of uh, pulled out the the old Star Wars quote, don't do it, it's a trap, because you'll (laughs) see that a lot of times here uh, with 100 yards and and a touchdown, you think, oh, man, these guys are are going to be awesome. Uh, Gary Barnage is not Jordan Cameron in his prime. Gary Barnage is not a top 10 tight end for next week or the the rest of the way out. Maybe he'll come back and make me eat my words, but from a fantasy perspective, that offense is just way too inconsistent for me personally and now granted the 10 targets last week they were behind all game so had to throw mostly yeah josh mccown threw a ton um and of course week two against tennessee they actually played pretty well and and won and they were ahead for a good part of that game so maybe when they're ahead they want to run the ball with that offensive line that they have but i can i don't think the browns are going to be ahead a whole lot the rest of the way out i mean I'm putting their over-under win total at like four and a half, five and a half, something like that. So I'm not expecting this to happen a ton, but the inconsistency just bothers me. I couldn't. You better be prepared for a goose egg if you're taking a risk on Barnage moving forward. Yeah, and if you're in one of those deeper leagues where you're trying to like, you know, find a slight edge, like, oh, I should, uh, you know, pick that guy up because of trends. You know, uh, the Browns are playing the Chargers uh, on Sunday. They've already given up uh, touchdowns in two or three weeks to tight ends. One to Eric Ebron in week one, another to Tyler Eifert in week two. Kyle Rudolph didn't do anything in week three, but, you know, the Vikings uh, were really relying on Adrian Peterson in that game, so it's not really much of a surprise that, you know, Rudolph kind of stunk the bed. Uh, But anyway, if you're looking at trends, they've given up touchdowns twice already to tight ends this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe something worth thinking about, but I still think when they get down to the red zone, they're going to want to throw to either one of their possession guys like Hawkins or Hartline or Travis Benjamin, who's been the leading receiver and so far. We're, we're not even saying if you're in a 16-team league, go out and pick him up. It'd have to be deeper than that. Yeah, I mean, okay, if you're in a 16-team league, you could put a buck down on Barnage just in case, but you wouldn't do it with confidence. Yeah. But it's only 1% of your budget, so I, I throw guess, it down there. I guess in the 16-team league, I mean, I have Travis Kelsey and uh, Jared Cam- or Jordan Cameron, so yeah. I, I don't have – I'm not lacking for talent there, so I'm not really sure if I was – you know, or had some dearth in that regard, like mm-hmm. if uh, Barnage would be a potential, you know, pickup. So you, you're saying like if you're in a 16-team league, he's a guy that you would maybe consider if, you know, your tight ends were injured or you just were horrible at that position? Yeah, I mean, for roster depth, man, I, I yeah. guess if it's just, if it's a buck and you can cut him, he'd be one of the first on your chopping block. I, right on. I, I'd have a tough time starting him, especially next week. Okay, sounds good. All right, so let's move on to kickers and defenses here. Now, looking on ESPN formats, Robbie Gold and Josh Brown 
uh, Robbie Gold of the Bears and Brown of the Giants are the most added kickers on ESPN over the last sad seven days. Uh, Sebastian Janikowski uh, also on the rise lately. Eric, you picked out a couple kickers in here. Uh, how, how do you see, like, if you need a kicker this for this upcoming week, uh, I, I don't know if there are any major kicker injuries, but say you're just not satisfied with the matchup, what are some guys that you're targeting? I like, uh, well, I, I liked rather Robbie Gold when Jay Cutler was under center because you know there were going to be field goal opportunities. But mm-hmm. against the uh, Seahawks out in Seattle this past weekend, he actually had no opportunities at all because the Bears actually punted every single possession of the game. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, number one pick in the draft already? Are we committing to that? Um, well, I think that's kind of a stretch because Detroit's also in the division and yep. not very good. But, you know, they're going to be up there, I think, yeah. competing <laughs> for that. Going to be competing for but, sure. But when it comes to a guy that I think's a decently safe bet to go after this week is Sebastian Janikowski. Um, he's only owned in 30% of Yahoo leagues and 16% of uh, ESPN leagues. So he's pretty much unowned almost everywhere. Um, he's 5 for 5 on field goals, 8 for 8 on extra points. And the Bears themselves have given up five field goals and 12 of 13 extra points so far. So everything correlates and makes me think that, uh, yeah, I I think uh, David Carr is going to be thrown all over the field. But if the Mm -hmm. Bears do get some stops, you know, those are going to translate into field goals. And, you know, Janikowski uh, will fare pretty well actually in Chicago this weekend yeah and what will be one of the most exciting games of week four the Raiders will head to the Bears or head to Chicago to play the Bears uh of course that was quite sarcastic uh yeah it's right not gonna there. be an exciting game uh it's gonna probably be a beat down yeah and you know of course unless you took our advice and are, are banking on Derek Carr to have a big week this week and forward you might be able to find some excitement there yeah uh, what about defenses here uh my first in- instinct as always when picking on defenses is to pick on the Jaguars so mm-hmm. uh, I guess my pick for the week was the Colts. They're only owned in 31% of Yahoo and 20% of ESPN leagues. Had a pretty, I mean, gave, gave up quite a few points, but also forced a, a few turnovers last week here. Um, so that's what I, why I like the Colts. Uh, do you have a couple other picks uh, that you might like to? Well, the fact that, uh, you know, the Colts and also the Philadelphia Eagles are facing, you know, subpar quarterbacks, in my opinion, in Blake Bortles and... Uh, Kirk Cousins makes me believe that you know there's the high a high potential for turnovers to happen and for those two teams to actually take advantage of them. So the Eagles are actually owned a lot of places, 78% of Yahoo, but only 43% of ESPN leagues. So if you're in in an ESPN league, uh, go out and grab them. I actually did that today myself. So um, yeah, it's a coin toss on his availability. If yeah. you're on his on their availability, yeah. if you're in an ESPN league, so you might as well give it a shot. And uh, I think the rankings are starting to get closer. The percentage available are starting to get closer to what their true reflection should be. Yeah. Not so dependent on like the pre-draft rankings, like we discussed earlier in the year. There. So. Uh, so yeah. So if you're actually in a deeper league, you know, I'm looking at like deeper than 12 so 14 16 and mm-hmm. deeper than that the vikings are actually available in a lot of places and uh they are fa- they have to go to denver yes. which you know maybe isn't the best place to try to you know take advantage of a situation but we've seen uh peyton manning throw a lot of, lot of wobblers this season and the vikings are actually uh sacking the quarterback a lot and Manning is also getting sacked a decent amount this yeah. season. So just the those few things, you know, point in a direction where the Vikings could actually have a 
you know, decent week as a as a defense. Yeah, of course, as Peyton a unit. Manning not very mobile outside of the pocket or looking less and less mobile even within the pocket right now. So not not playing at his best, and I'm I'm not a huge supporter of of a sudden turnaround for Manning all of a sudden. So it's a little bit of a stretch play, I think. But you could yeah you could warrant. I guess the Vikings, I think, in this type of situation. Uh, I mean, you can't have super high expectations because you never do know it is Peyton Manning. But at the same time, from what we've seen from him leading up to this point, it doesn't necessarily make him a an, an offensive unit that has to be avoided. So Manning's been sacked eight times this season. He's thrown a pick in every game. And the Broncos' offense also fumbled last week and threw two pick sixes the previous weeks. So... Yeah. One one in week one and one in week two. So, you know, j- the trends are are there. Like, Manning gets sacked a lot. He throws an interception every week. You know, you could get six to eight points, and that be, might be enough to you know sway your week. Yeah. I mean, you just don't want to get negative points. I mean, I had the Dolphins and the Chiefs going this week. Chiefs was dumb. I know that. I just it's a fourteen team league, and there wasn't anything better. Uh, well, I, there probably was, and maybe I just didn't look hard enough. But I had the Chiefs and the Dolphins collectively in two leagues lose me seven or eight points this yeah. week. Nothing's more frustrating than that. So so if you have the Pats defense, they're on bye this week, right? Mm-hmm. Do you actually hold on to them, or do you jettison them for to like save the roster spot? I It really depends on what the rest of your roster looks like. I'm going to hold on to them if I can, if yeah. I can't. So, I mean, oh, like well. the Vikings might be an option. Like They might be be available in your somewhat deep league you have the mm-hmm. you have the pats you you need you need to like fill in for them you you need those points on a weekly basis so yeah. you know why not throw the dart and see if it happens yeah vikings a young up-and-coming defense guys like anthony barr second year in the league greenway and their and their defensive secondary is actually one of the better ones in the league last season uh you know at least they're in the early parts of the season so upside with that defense despite yeah. what seems like a tough matchup at hand yeah. I, I would still be willing to bet that we wouldn't get that we won't get negative well, points at least. And we've seen every single game with uh, the Broncos this year actually be low scoring and, you know, hard-nosed football too. So I think I think that will probably actually happen again. It'll fit the profile pretty well there. So there's a few defenses to stream for you. Again, the Eagles at Washington, the Colts home against Jacksonville, Vikings going to Denver. Well, thank you for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today. Also, check out ROTOWIRE free for 10 days by going to rotowire.com slash pod. That's rotowire.com slash P-O-D. Once again, I'm Jake Letarski, and you can find me on Twitter at jakeski52. And over here, it's Eric Aturi, and you can find me on Twitter at ETCAT30. The ROTOWIRE Fantasy Football Podcast will be back with you on Wednesday. <laughs>